Hi, welcome to Cameras or Whatever, a show about photos, gear, and life. I'm your host, Tyler, and in this first episode, you'll meet my wife, Anya, who is my partner in photography, and Cameron, who I work with at Stocksy United. This episode will be your introduction to give you some context before diving into some seriously nerdy camera talk. Hey, hi, Cameron. Hi, how are you guys doing? <laughs> this, this is the show now. <laughs> so... What's going on is we want to do episode one. We've actually already recorded episode two and three, so the chronology is already a little broken here. But I thought we should first introduce ourselves very accurately so everybody <laughs> knows why they might be interested in listening to us. Yeah, And maybe also to warn everyone that what this is going to be about so they're not diving into an hour of nerdy camera rambling <laughs> without uh, knowing that's what it's going to be. So what I thought this show would be in the niche that I kind of saw lacking was people that are working as photographers talking about, I don't know, our like daily struggle <laughs> or yeah. the, the things that we think about all the time or talk to each other about, because that's what, that's what I've always looked for in podcasts online or, or recordings of is other people that are doing this as a job already, that photography is their work and they're around it all the time and to know their opinions. Like I love talking to other photographers. Yeah, me, me too. And that's just the thing is that whenever you're looking for this kind of a conversation at the level that we are trying to have, that we have with each other every day, actually, um, you just can't find it. It's, it's almost like any of the, the websites that you go to or podcasts that you try to find, it's all just like really rudimentary kind of things. And it's not very exciting. Yeah, it, well, it, it is if you're at the beginning of doing it. I mean, I understand why there's more 101 information than there is whatever this is, mm -hmm. because it's a bigger market. There's more people that are just learning. So I think we're probably going to be talking to a, maybe a smaller audience, but hopefully, hopefully they find this interesting. Yeah. So the context here is that Anya and I shoot together. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to explain that a little bit because I am often going to be referring to we and what we do. And without having to explain that all the time, I thought it'd be good to just introduce us and, and talk about the way that that we okay, shoot together. Yeah. yeah, so here she is. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Plus, yeah. she looks better than you, so. I'll just, yeah. Maybe not today. <laughs> I, Any day. <laughs> well, and so Anya also has a different perspective on photography than, than I do. And, and, well, probably than we do. It's much more less. less technical. Yeah, less somehow. about the gear and more about the image, less maybe. Nerdy. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, I know, but tell, tell Cameron. What is your background in this? How did you get into photography? Uh, well, I write a fashion blog, and I started taking photos for the blog because nobody else was around to do it for me. Uh, so when I started, I was actually taking photos of other people. Um, and then over time, it sort of became like people were actually interested in photos of me, so I had to start looking for photographers to take photos of me made friends with a lot of photographers, sort of went from using a Rebel to getting a 5D, got them to teach me how to use the, the equipment, got into a little more, and that's how it started. Yeah, there's kind of a long journey of you being around photography yeah. before, like seeing well, it and yeah. being involved in it, but not... my background is but, modeling, so I've yeah. been modeling for 14 years prior to this and was around all of these creative people. Already, it was something that interested me. 
I loved, I, when I started modeling, photographers used to use film. Like, that's how I remember <laughs> things being is uh, you used to take Polaroids of the setup before you actually started shooting anything. Uh, so I fell in love with Polaroids. That was sort of like my favorite thing. And then, yeah, I think I kind of, one of my friends who was a photographer, we sort of bonded over the love of Polaroids and film a little bit. And so I started playing around with cheap cameras like Diana and Polar, like actual Polaroid film and stuff and then grew. Yeah, you actually have like as many film cameras as I do. You just, well, except for that one Polaroid. Digital came around and it was just more yeah. convenient, especially for the blog where everything has to be so Quick. immediate. And so yeah. much of it. And instant. That'd be very expensive. That'd be an expensive blog on film. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like even when I was modeling and, and photographers used to use Polaroids, at the, very, at the end of every shoot I would... I would go through the scraps and the ones that they didn't want to keep and just take them home, you know? So then I had these big stacks of Polaroids at home from my previous shoots and stuff, and it's just kind of cool to go back and see. Well, and I felt like that was something you brought to us when we started shooting together, is that you'd also worked with people at a lot of different levels. Like, you'd been on big-budget shoots and with great photographers and kind of just saw, this is how a real shoot happens with stylists and proper makeup and right. all of the, especially the production surrounding it. I think mm -hmm. that's a hard thing to break into for yeah. most photographers is like working with real, with professional models and with professional stylists and people that, that do all of the supporting roles as their business. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, something I hadn't really done. It seems almost out of reach, you know, if you're, when you're just starting out, like mm -hmm. even after several years of, you know, actually doing some of the work, you know, until you actually break into that level, you can't even really imagine it. Until yeah. You, you see it, unless you, you know, you, you get to assist or, or even model or something like that. And then you get that perspective. And so, yeah, I think it's incredibly valuable. Well, yeah, I think you kind of got a lot of the advantages that assisting would, mm -hmm. like you're just already there on set. Yeah, and I wish that I had retained a lot more photography knowledge through that been taking notes yeah but i was yeah i was always interested in styling and production and the creative uh sort of like the big picture mm. when well, i had no idea what styling a shoot meant before it was like you know bring a white t-shirt <laughs> yeah so i guess that's that's kind of like what happens when we shoot together is tyler takes on the technical role and i take on the creative sort of direction mm -hmm. yeah the artistic direction as well. Yeah. 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 Well, and those, I mean, maybe us having microphones is a good time to like clear up that sometimes people are kind of confused about that. That's why he has this mic and I have this mic. <laughs> <laughs> about who, <laughs> about who <laughs> shoots what. And that I think because Anya's in a lot of the, so a lot of the stuff I shoot of her because um, <laughs> the blog is yeah. a lot of our time yeah. and, and those photos get posted a lot. So that's obviously me shooting, but things like all of our stock portfolio is basically 50, 50. I, I know that points like Anya's had more on there that I wasn't even around for those shoots. Like she just completely when did it. Started it yeah. yeah. When we first because started, we I was in Victoria and she was in Calgary. So yeah. we couldn't actually make a lot of the shoots happen together. So she was shooting in Calgary and I was and th So that's what a lot of people see for our portfolio is things that we didn't even actually do together. together. Wow. That's, that's, that's really fascinating because I, probably would not have known that had I not actually heard it from you. Yeah. So, so that's why it's worth like clarifying it. And I don't know, I've always, well, we've talked about it forever that we should make like a promo video of like, this is how we do things Yeah. just to kind of make sense of it because. And we still get people not getting it sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, like 
still saying that you know what is Tyler's rate or what is, like uh-huh. you yeah. know like how much does mm-hmm. Tyler charge or how much time is Tyler going to to take and then it's just kind of like and then I may not even show up at the shoot and you're like <laughs> out the context it may let be me something answer that for you <laughs> yeah and it's easier with clients that are out of town with people that know us from when we were doing things separately mm-hmm. especially that, that's when it becomes yeah. I think so. Hopefully, those people are listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, in I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they're into the super technical podcasts. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that you handle all the time is the just running the making the business keep running too. Yeah. I part of hate invoicing. Another part I of hate. my background is accounting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's what Helpful. I went to school for. Yeah. Um, so I got a little bit of practice and and real life experience in that. Yeah. And, and I don't mind it. I am organized and not, of course, if you looked at my desk right now, but. <laughs> you know, this, this actually brings up one of the most important things that I think that, that most people miss when they're trying to break into photography is how critical it is to, to have good books. Yeah. To have your I, accounting and, and everything just in order. I was thinking about that as we were leading up to this episode, just what future topics could be. And I think forever we could talk about the importance of treating it like a business. Mm-hmm. Like if you want this to be your job, you can't just think of it. You can't think of it in the same way as, as a hobby. And if you want it to be a hobby, that's fine. But a lot of photographers I see don't really understand that it's going to be one or the other. And unless you really take the business end of it seriously, you may end up stuck for a very long time. But not only that, also like uh, ruining for other people. <laughs> right. Part of things. Well, uh, you know, like like you undercutting to, prices. Yeah, undercutting yeah. or not caring that you're getting paid for something else, even though other people are trying to make a living at it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, yeah, that's, it's almost criminal, you know, and that's, that's the thing that in my uh, marketplace here, like that's, that's a huge, huge issue. <laughs> I like how quickly we uh, cut out all of our slightly amateur listeners. You are all criminals. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you, it's, if it's you good. aren't charging high rates. Well, no, but if you think about it, like you're not going to go. You know, if you want to get your accounting done, for example, mm-hmm. you're not going to go to like your friend of a fa- of the family or whatever yeah. and ask them to do your year end. You know, yeah. Yeah. my nephew, my to, nephew does a little accounting. Maybe he could. Yeah. Block. Everybody charges. Yeah. yeah. Um, for services, so. Yeah. No. Another topic. Another. And 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 you actually you bring up a great point, Tyler. Like everybody has to start somewhere. And it, and it actually, it makes a lot of sense for people who are just starting out to, to charge less because, I mean, they're not bringing all that experience and, and uh, security involved, you know? Like, usually when you have an amateur that's just starting out, like, they don't have insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Forget accounting. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's you not know, even a thing that people think that they need. Yeah. Just the idea of taxes at all in, you know, in this business, I think that... It just kind of flies over people's heads. They don't realize like how how much is actually involved. And I know that it's probably a little bit different for you guys up in Canada than it is for me here. But um, I can tell you that like I, I pay my accountant a lot of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. And you know what? It, I, it's worth every penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people that would go, people would go and start a small business. Like if you're going to open a laundromat, mm-hmm. you treat it like a business first. And then you happen to be providing the service of cleaning laundry. But I think most photographers, they're like, I'm going to take pictures and see if I can make any money off of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think if you could treat it the other way oh, and like, even. 
though. <laughs> right. They're not even, maybe they're not even concerned you know, about making money. Like you're grabbing your microphone. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to take pictures because I have a camera and I'm going to practice. You know, right. somebody's going to hire me for a wedding or somebody's mm-hmm. going to hire me for a job or whatever. Yeah. And then someday maybe I can make something of it. Yeah. But if you, if you think about first, like, how do I build this into a sustainable But thing? that was a big thing with me, though. When I started taking photos, I actually was discouraged a lot by my photographer friends who all seem to go to art school. Um, all, always talked so downwardly or on, um, on people that haven't gone to school and, and want to get into photography, you know? Just talking down on people that are self-taught, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that wow. discouraged me a lot. And I didn't really get into it until I, I, for real, until I met Tyler because of that very reason. I actually went to a friend of mine, one of them, and proposed sort of like a partnership-based uh, business idea of sort of the same thing that we are doing now. Um, and that was very, uh, it was a very difficult concept to grasp, I think. And I think that people that go to art school too look at it completely differently. They mm-hmm. also don't see a business side of it um, as much as, it, as they see the art. Nor are they taught but, it. Yeah. That's not part of well, the exactly. curriculum. <laughs> yeah. You didn't do the mostly art school. That wasn't your main no, you took I mean, some classes, but it wasn't. No, I, I have a I have a photography degree, but I got it at a community college, just right. not an art school. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> different. And this the schooling I was doing was much more practical and technical, and yeah. there was business courses as part of it. And I think it makes you approach it really differently than having your first concern being about your artist statement. Yeah, you know, and artists like too. That. Like a lot of it, a lot of them won't do stock. Yeah, you know, because of that. Yeah. Because they, they look down on it somehow. And for all and for all the artist photographers listening, like that you can do that. That's okay. It's just we're just talking about it from the perspective of if you want to make money at it, then there there are some yeah. things that can help you. That but like with every every business, you know, if you are you end up making money with something that you're good at, you're not always going to be doing jobs that you love. Okay. Um Ever. Like, it's not going to be like an endless, you know, adventure. You are going to have to do things and and make sacrifices that you might not. That's right. That is right. You know what, actually, I think I missed a part of this episode at the beginning where we actually just say who we literally introduce ourselves. Well, I started introducing myself. (laughs) I guess you did. (laughs) Everybody knows who I am. So if you want to see Anya's... Her blog is at AnyaB.net and Anya spelled A-N-I-A. B.net. Yeah. And what does the B stand for? (laughs) My last name that is unpronounceable. Pronounce it the way you would pronounce it and then everybody else. It's Anya Bonietska. So (laughs) I decided that B is going to be. I I actually, it comes from a different place. My brother came to Canada in 89 and I would write him letters and just sign as Anya B. And my parents always made fun of me because, because I assumed that he wouldn't know which Anya it was and I had to say B. For clarification, but anyways, a little family inside joke, I guess, at my expense. <laughs> so I showed them. That lasted. They've embraced. Yeah, I've embraced. Yeah. yeah. And your pole. And, and, and I'm Polish. So that's why my name is in Yeah. And then how about how about you, Cameron? Who are you? You are Cameron Whitman. I am Cameron Whitman. I am the Cameron Whitman. Which the one and only. Uh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, the one and only that I know personally. Yes. Unfortunately, there's, there's, a, there's a guy named Cameron Whitman that lives in Washington, D.C., who Uh-oh. writes policy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, he probably 
I'm not sure. He probably either really loves that I exist or really hates it. But you're always battling for Google dominance. Yeah, he's got nothing. Like, uh, <laughs> I'd say like in 2006, you know, like you, the first page would be kind of a mixed bag of, of, you know, his stuff versus my stuff. And now it's like the guy's, he's like 20, 30 pages deep. Very you know? deep. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny for me that there is a Stallman that is much more important and I am Richard Stallman, who has done some really significant things about open source software. Oh, but he has two L's. That's why. But anyway, I just like flood social media networks so much that I come up first for everything. Yeah. And it's not because I'm more important. I just post more on the internet, I guess. Well, it's also a consequence of being stock photographers. Yeah. So our name is, you know, just inherently everywhere. It gets credited. Yes. But so... Tell us, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I am a professional photographer, and I split my my photography efforts down the middle, more or less, between stock and uh, commercial assignment. Um, and that actually gets splintered even more because my local business consists mainly of headshots, but also um, I do a lot of uh, advertising work for local companies, and I do a lot of events as well. And so um, actually having time to shoot stock these days is becoming quite difficult because my full-time job is I'm the senior editor for Stocksy United where we work together. And, uh, that's, that's a, uh, that's my main commitment. So that's, that's a big deal. It's a big amount of yeah, my I've time seen that with every photographer I know in a similar role. Like I've known people doing similar things at other agencies and it's always really hard to keep shooting and looking at thousands of photos every single day. I don't think I've ever seen it not be a challenge for somebody. So yeah, it's it's intense. But, you know, the thing is, is that um, having these multiple outlets for what I do keeps me interested in all of them more or less because, you know, I'm not doing the same thing every time. Like yeah. if I was shooting events every night, like I think I would just sell my camera. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've talked to other friends that get just totally burnt out by some kind of extreme success. Like they're gr- doing great with weddings and then they just never want to shoot another wedding. Well, it becomes a job. Yeah. Or corporate portraits or th- yeah. oh. <laughs> the, th- the things that, especially the things that end up paying well yeah. might be the things that, that people end up finding exhausting if they're doing it all the time. So yeah. I th- well, and we've, we've been uh, trying to find time to keep shooting stock as well. Yeah. We've actually done much worse than you lately at keeping uploads. We have a lot through. to upload. Yeah, we have a lot shot, just not so much uploaded. Yeah. yeah. But before you were shooting with Stocks, you were doing iStock Photo, right? Did you shoot with any other agencies? No. So I, I had no intentions of getting into stock at all. Um, I, was, I was doing art, and I, I wasn't even doing that very well. Because, like, I didn't even, you know, like, like I said in, in, our, in our next episode, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of just, I, I kind of happened on, on photography. It was, it was something that I, I was really interested in as a kid. And I had this really cool Minolta um, rangefinder, you know, 35 millimeter auto, you know, it was a, it was a point and shoot, but it, it was amazing. It took great shots and I loved that thing, but mm-hmm. I took a photography class in ninth grade and failed it. <laughs> did your photos all come up black or what happened? Nice. No, I don't know what I did, but like, I, I, I guess it was probably not helpful that my camera didn't have manual control. So mm. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't learn anything about apertures and shutter speeds or anything, you know? So it was kind of a, a, a rocky start. Um, but composition, you know, like was, was the thing that I was actually not bad at. 
and um, I was I liked drawing and stuff like that. So um, that kind of just supported that. But music was my first love, so I went and played in bands. And then when I finally realized that that wasn't going to be a long term thing. That's when I decided, okay, like I got to find something else. And what kind it was, of music were you playing? Were you playing like punk or metal or something? Something loud, right? Something kind of in between that. What we, uh, what I was doing is, uh, it's, it was known in the nineties as math rock. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, it's kind of. Uh, you must be good. It's post punk. Well, uh, it's, you know, maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I could, I could play in, in really weird time signatures for sure. But That's I don't know. Cool. I don't know. I don't know if it was good. <laughs> We thought we were really good. (laughs) You're impressing each other a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, and we had some, you know, that's a, that's another story, but, um, but it's a really funny thing because, uh, it was Christmas and my mom had just gotten a, a, it was a, it was an SLR, but it was one of those APS film SLRs. Yeah. The, um, Kodak was especially into that, right? Like 110, 110 millimeters, I think. Something like that. Like, I don't know. It was just the Advantix or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And um, so she had gotten this camera. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't even remember how she got it, but it was a Canon. And, you know, like I was just playing with it, you know, because it was a new thing when I was just like playing with it. And I was like feeling the, the focus and the zoom. And I was like, man, this thing's cool. And I had never touched an SLR before. So that was the first time I'd even like seen one. And I was like, wow, this thing just seems like it does things, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And, uh, so then the next day, you know, or the next you know day that wasn't a holiday, like I went to uh Ritz camera or whatever, and I bought a cheap SLR kit. And then the day after that, I built the dark room. So wow. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really ambitious. The, the cart before the horse. <laughs> <laughs> I was way slower that I had, there was a, an old film camera that was just at home and I would just play with it with no film in it all the time pretending to take like I would because I loved the winding of it I loved the because it was fully mechanical everything you can see as you kind of open it up you can kind of tell what it's doing and I played with that a lot just holding it and pointing at things before I ever put a roll of film in it but you know to to get to the you know what is it I do so like I started the how, how I got into iStock was that I had I was about to graduate from the community college which was a Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia community college. And, uh, I didn't have what, any what kind of year are we in roughly? Uh, this was 2006. Okay. And, um, you know, I was about to graduate and I had no idea what I was doing and, uh, felt a little bit depressed cause I was just like, well, I'm about to graduate and like, I really don't know what I'm going to do now when I'm done. And, you know, I had no prospects, no clues, you know, like one of my teachers said he was going to try and hook me up with some, um, photographers to assist. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. But, you know, outside of that, I hadn't, I didn't even really know what I wanted to shoot, you know, like I just kind of shot everything, you know? And so it didn't really seem that obvious to me that stock was the direction for me, you know? Um, but one of my good friends happened to work for an association that bought a lot of stock. So he came to me and he's like, well, why don't you try out iStock or something? And I was like, the hell's iStock? You know, that sounds stupid. And, uh, is that some kind of Apple product? <laughs> I, was, I was like, <laughs> I thought it was so dumb. I mean, so like, you know, the, the fact that I ended up with iStock was just kind of because I'm lazy. And, you know, like I applied to iStock and Shutterstock at the same, on the same day or whatever, and didn't really even look beyond that at first. And I got, um, accepted to iStock pretty much immediately 
And so I was like, well, I'm going to just try this out and see how it goes. And so then, you know, after, you know, struggling a little bit to get things accepted, I, I started reading more of the forums and, you know, it seemed like people were really jazzed about, you know, exclusivity with iStock. It was kind of a, it was during the the heyday when I, when I joined on and I had no idea what I was even doing there. So, yeah. But eventually what ended up happening is, is I realized that there was a couple things that I was pretty good at and people wanted to buy. So next thing you know, I'm making some money. And, uh, that is really how my career was born. You know, like I just, I realized, Oh, well this thing makes money. Mm. And so as an, as an artist, I suffered pretty damn profoundly because I completely let go of whatever it was that compelled me to do it in the first place. And then I was just like, well, I just need to figure out a way to sustain myself financially. Mm -hmm. And this is really all I got going on. It's the only thing I'm like good at. So, um, you know, I, I just kind of poured everything into figuring that out. And, and you're uh, saying that because what the quality of the photos that were on iStock were just not at that level, sort of, that your art, that your artist, your inner artist was suffering. Is that what you're? Well, I didn't know what mean? to do was what it was. So like, you know, before I started shooting stock, I was, you know, I was really interested in, you know, doing, you know, like abstract expressionist type work in photography. And so like Aaron Siskind, um, who's was, you know, he's dead, but he was an amazing photographer. And he was probably the only one that was ever like accepted in that, in the, uh, abstract movement for real, you know, like every, anybody else that was a photographer was never really kind of accepted in that, in that genre. And, uh, I got, you know, I, I actually was lucky enough. I live in, in Washington, DC. So we have tons of free museums here. So I can go look at art any day. And that's like, it's an amazing thing to be able to do. And so like, I would, I went and actually saw an Aaron Siskin show and got to, to see some of his work like this, like no, you know, a foot away from my face. And, and like, if you haven't seen it, it's something to behold, you know, it's, I, I haven't seen it to be yeah, honest. But. It's, he, no. Google <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating because this guy that like, you know, technically speaking this, you know, he's, he's a, he's a photographer that's like well-versed in the zone system but he points his cameras at, at a wall, you know, and shoots peeling paint and shit like that. And you're, you're thinking to yourself like, well, how interesting can that really be? And then you see somebody's work like that. And it's, it's mind blowing. It's kind of like at the same time, I was really into Mark Rothko. Mm -hmm. And so I got into a lot of arguments in school in my art classes about whether or not he was great. <laughs> Having those arguments actually convinced me of how amazing he really was. Mm -hmm. You know, because it was it was more more than just looking at how perfectly you can paint a, a, a human hand or a, a face, which is really hard. It's really hard to draw human parts mm -hmm. when you're just starting with art. You're, you know, you kind of look at like the technical perfection of things as being kind of like the bar, you know, mm -hmm. or at least that's what it was for me at first. You know, and so once I discovered some of these abstract guys, I was like, wow, you know photography can mean so much more than just how perfect Is that kind of what your early stuff was looking like before I stock then. Is That's that exactly kind of what I was doing. Yeah, it's exactly what I was doing. So like, you know, I had a view camera and I was, you know, I was, I was running out trying to find peeling paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then once I 
joined iStock, you know, I got some of that stuff rejected and I was just like, oh, I guess I got to try something else. Did you shoot compasses and globes on white backgrounds? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, it's, it's really kind of funny cause it's so easy to talk badly about isolated on white. Mm. Um, cause it, it's, it's pretty lame to look at, but, um, it's very useful for mm-hmm. what it is and mm-hmm. um well, shooting it should it, exist i mean yeah. i've been in design situations where you're like you know what i just need this object and i need to be able to cut it out well and also yeah. too i think what is great now about stocksy is that stock no longer needs to be a certain way no, no, no. you can still express yourself and be well i think that what's happened is that like the marketplace has evolved mm-hmm. and so it's not it's not just about like putting literal objects in front of things and saying like, look, this is what that is. Cause I mean, everybody gets it, you know, we're all like as a people, the human race has kind of graduated beyond just the literal vision of, of an apple. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different ways to communicate literal things that you don't need to just shoot it on white. Yeah. Things you know? design was a little on the nose for a while. It was like, let's just, we're talking about education. Here's a stack of books and an apple. Yeah, but it's also about like photography evolving. And it's, mm-hmm. it used to be when photography first came out that all photographs sort of looked the same then. You know, it was mm-hmm. people posing in front of a camera, mm-hmm. doing really one stiff. thing. So, yeah. So then digital <laughs> photography came out and all of a sudden like people can do all of these shots of an apple sitting on a, on a white background in all these different ways and they don't have to worry about wasting yeah, film. Yeah, you can take every so, single angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now all of a sudden you don't, you're not wasting film, so you can take a photo of every single object you have in front of you yeah. and do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, yeah, yeah. And, and to that, I think that uh, collectively, anybody that shoots pictures at all kind of advanced very quickly to the point where, you know, I mean, if you just look at the, the sheer number of members on you know, Shutterstock or iStock, it's, it's like, oh my God. Yeah, I don't know what it is now, but it was, it was over 100,000 when I left. I believe mm-hmm. active members. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Or evolving as a photographer, as a person too. Is this sort of a similar thing? You, I got my camera for the first time and the only thing I was taking photos of was my cat in a... <laughs> with, with, well, something's with, never with changed. With a blurry background. Yeah, something's <laughs> never to change. Um, but because he's available and he's there all the time and, you know, and then you start and you, then you seek out other things. Yeah. Or the way that we are shooting for the blog, you know? Used to be for the longest time we were shooting just a straight-on outfit photo, and then and then it's like okay, well let's start doing something else because it's getting stale or it's getting boring or whatever. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. express ourselves in different ways. Yeah, that's 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 actually that's that's a great point because um, the way that I started to evolve into a place where I actually felt happy with what I was doing was that you know during all that time I was a bartender. I was a bartender for like. Well, a server, then bartender for about 18 years. Um, oh. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole career right there. It is. Yeah. yeah, I started when I was like uh, tw- 19 or 20, working in, in, a, in a Mexican restaurant. And, you know, so I just, I, you know, I spent <laughs> a lot of... sombrero. Yeah. So, like, you know, by the time, you know, I was starting to get, you know, good at, at doing stock, like, I was, I was a bartender at that time. So, like it made sense to shoot what I knew. So I, I started shooting, you know, beer and cocktails. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was the first thing that I got really excited about that I actually, and, and consequently it ended up being really good. So, um, one of the first series that I did was this, you know, it was a, 
it was a six part series of, of building a, a, a Guinness. And like, and I don't know if you know what that means, but you know, you, I don't know what that means. So when you, when you, when you pour a Guinness, like in a, in a, in a pub, mm-hmm. you start the pour and then you, you let it settle. And then, you know, you actually let the, the nitrogen, you know, kind of like bubble up to the top until it starts to get black and then you finish oh, okay. it. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's called building a Guinness. So like, if you just pour the whole thing, it doesn't settle correctly and you know, it won't taste the same. I've been doing it wrong. Yeah. Most people do. I mean, that's <laughs> why, that's why, you know, most of the time you have to go to a, an Irish pub to get like a real Guinness, mm-hmm. you know, because most of the time people aren't going to actually make it right. So anyway, can, yeah. you, you go and order a beer. That's what you should uh, request. Can you build me summer. a Guinness? Yeah. Can you just make sure that it's built? <laughs> yeah. Built, built yeah. correctly. You might get punched. By Irish standards. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, like I made this six part series that, that illustrated that, that process. Cause to me, you know, it was, it was uh, a key element of my job at the time. And I thought it was neat. Uh, you know, Guinness was at the time, it was like my favorite beer. And so uh, this series, which was the first beer I'd ever shot, I think, Maybe the second, actually, but um, I, you know, got it on iStock and it just immediately started to to sell like crazy, which was the first thing I had that sold like crazy. And uh, shortly awesome. after that, like maybe two months later, I entered it in a contest sit, um, locally in uh, which is called Photo DC, and I and I won third place for best advertising photo oh. uh, for the series, and wow. like that. Blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. Way to build confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. all of a sudden I was like, wow. You know, like, I don't even know how that happened. Um, it, it reminds me of that early on, when an early quote that I heard about photography is to just shoot the thing that makes you feel good and don't worry too much about if it's, if, if you think that everybody else will perceive it as being important. So if you're really into shoes, just go and take shoe photos for a year and become really good at it yep. and figure out how to make the thing that you're interested in or that's around you, or that's just part of your life, figure out how to make it look really good. And then maybe you can move on from there, but it's okay to get really focused on, on one aspect of photography for a period of time. Yeah. So for me, after, um, <clears throat> after learning how to shoot, you know, inanimate objects in a way that was pleasing. Was this you just know? with bar lighting? Like just, you know, no, the was, dim. No, I was, some doing strobes it, in? I was doing it like on a, um, you know, on a studio table with, oh, okay. you know, with, a, you know, whatever those purse, perspex, mm-hmm. you know, plastic, you know, I had that whole lighting set up, you know, like I bought some crazy things in my early days. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I've got to have that. Um, it, it died anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the thing I, I didn't realize what was happening at the same time is that my, my work as a bartender had actually made me um, very people oriented mm-hmm. and it made me, you know, cause it forced me to, because, you know, I was very introverted previous to that and I was really shy. And so becoming a bartender was not exactly, it didn't seem like the obvious thing for me to do at all, but you know, because it was, you know, it, it was the best opportunity that I had. I kind of forced myself into it. And then I realized that like, oh, I actually had a knack with, with dealing with people. And, um, I say dealing with, because in the, in the, in the, in the bar, <laughs> because that, sometimes that's what you have to do. Well, yeah, I was working in an Irish pub and, you know, for, for me, you know, like I always thought I was Irish because <laughs> that's what, that's what my parents told me. 
you know, and then I was corrected as soon as I went and worked in an Irish pub. They're like, you're, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm an American. <laughs> um, you know, so that was it was, didn't seem obvious to me. But like immediately after I started having success with shooting beer, I did some self portraits of myself and I, and those things started selling like crazy. And I was like, ah, people. <laughs> it's like a, the secret to stock photography. Yeah. Just shoot people. Yeah. Shoot people. And so, you know, then I started shooting lots and lots of people. In fact, I shot pretty much everybody that I knew. And now all those people constantly send me, <laughs> screenshots of their photos in banner ads right. all over the web yeah via facebook yeah and you know they're still like oh i can't believe i found your picture and i'm like oh, i can <laughs> yeah yeah it's in daily occurrence yeah, yeah what are you trying to say <laughs> so yeah that's that's um so now you know that's basically my my job is i'm a portraitist you know so and who knew i would get to that point because when i first started with photography i had no interest in shooting people whatsoever when you're shooting portraits now are you lighting them a lot i mean the 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 aesthetic on in stocksy at least has been a little more maybe natural how much artificial lighting technology goes into your well, uh, portraits right now great question that's um so if it's if it's a headshot session then you know it starts off as a conversation with the client you know like well do you want a traditional type of artist or actor headshot because most of my clients are actors and then you know so for actors and in, in, uh you know for corporate headshots it's it's mostly always lit so you know i have a You're pretty it, simple i imagine like a visually straightforward in the end totally straightforward yeah like I, I i only use one light for my headshots um and i shoot on a on a gray background it's real simple and in my opinion it's it's uh it's really honest and beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I learned how to, to shoot with four and five lights and I know how to do that. And I, you know, like th- that for a headshot is so ridiculous and overkill. And it's like, what kind of a statement are you trying to make? <laughs> well, we, we still kind of get hired sometimes based on this one headshot that I did. Yeah. That was like, a what do you think? One, two, three, four, five. It was like six. It's like a six light setup, I think. Mm-hmm. And people are like, Oh, I'd love it to look like that. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> it's that takes some time to really do it and, well, and building a career on based location. on that. Oh God. Yeah. And so many of the corporate stuff we get is on location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do that as well. And so like, usually when I, when I'm talking to a client going into that shoot, I'm like, well, well what do you, you know, what are you after? What do you want to see? And then usually if they, if they say they want, you know, like a white background with lit, then I'll try and talk them out of that. <laughs> And then, uh, right. you know, then usually I get my way and they, you know, cause you have to, you have to kind of get good at pushing what you know is better. Well, what drives us crazy at this point though, is that we have a studio like quite recently that we've yeah. got, but we still end up getting called to go to an office and set up a backdrop. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. do we really have to haul nine feet of paper? And yeah. uh, Well, and the, this recent shoot we were doing too, they asked for quite an elaborate setup. And it became quite messy after, and we ended up shooting in the, a lot of confetti. With confetti involved, <laughs> so we just thought, like, if we had shot it at the at the boardroom or wherever, yeah, in their studio, office, like, what would like how long it would have taken us to clean it up? Yeah, they'd be or, they'd be taking confetti out of the computer fans for months. Yeah, <laughs> but so thankfully we were able to do it here. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was. It was. 
It was. It ended up. It would have been less fun if we had to bring it there, but it turned yeah, out fun yeah. doing it here. So. So it's a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's actually, you know, that just reminds me that there was a job that I did about two years ago. It was a corporate headshot gig and it was, you know, I think it was probably like 20 people. And they basically what they wanted was what you see on iStock all the time. It's just like, mm. a, a, you know, like squared shoulder, like headshot. Super straight ahead. Yeah, like on an on a isolated white background. Mm. And I was like, they like, do you know how to do that? And I was like, yeah. you, you, you wouldn't believe this, but <laughs> I'm well, your guy. The good thing is I think a lot of our clients, you know, are learning, um, I don't know, acquiring taste. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they are seeing the benefits of having a more candid sort of approach. Um, but also along the lines of like being able to, to explain to your client or try to convince them that what you want to do is, Sort of better than what they uh, request. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I don't know. It's it's important because people don't uh, always know how to verbalize what they like. They right. will show you a photo that they like, but they won't be able to tell you why. Absolutely. Yeah, they'll, you know? they'll they'll be like, I love this, but yeah. But then the things they request out of it may not be what they ask us to do. It may not really yeah. connect. That yeah, it might not be what they're really wanting. There was actually this great reference photo for a shoot recently. That was the, um, Apple, well, it was Tim Cook and Johnny Ive mm-hmm. and the Apple guys on the cover of business week. Right. I, know, I think. New, or, yeah. or Newsweek. Google all three of those more than yeah. love it. <laughs> and, uh, this is them on white looking really candid and it was beautiful. It was really nice. It was a yeah. great photo. And it's because, it didn't matter that it was on white because they had really got a great pose out of them. Yeah. Like well, the people looked great and they had obviously taken a lot of shots and worked closely and had some great communication with the subject. And it, it, it ended up not mattering that it was an old stock photo lighting technique. It looked mm-hmm. great. Well, I think that there's more to it as well. It's, it's like when you're talking about those people, you know, you're talking about people with gravitas, you know, you're talking about people that are recognizable and that matter. Frankly, not that, not to say that like everybody doesn't matter. I'm just saying that like these are people that that affect a lot of people, and so when you put them in that same scenario that 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 you know we've shot hundreds of people for stock, mm-hmm. you know, like there it has a, it has a completely different effect, mm-hmm. and it's it's very appropriate in that place, you know. And I mean, yeah. you still have to you still have to know how to light them in a way that's you know that really works for who they are. Right. Well, and actually, it comes to mind as well that obviously. Avedon being the ultimate example of like, yeah, you can shoot on white. Exactly. And, and make it look exceptional. Yeah. So the fact that it's on white doesn't make it boring. No. Well, it's, 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 it's a, a subtle thing. But it's also, a, lot it's of also a combination of a bunch of things like technique, gear, um, attitude, mm-hmm. you know, like how you interact with your, with your client, you yeah. know, um, that's, what I've discovered as being a, a portrait artist, that's the, the most important thing. Like, it doesn't matter what lens I'm using. It's, what matters is what I'm saying to them. Yeah, what can you get out of them and what can you, how relaxed can they be and how much are they willing to give you? Yeah. So for like an actor headshot, like, you know, it's something that, that I've realized is that like, I have to make it fun, you know? Like, if I don't make it a positive experience, like, I'm not going to get what I need from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that's know? another thing that we always talk about is, uh, the ability to yeah to be able to talk to people and make them do the things that you want to do without them even realizing that's what's happening you know mm-hmm. 
I don't know, with me, my background in modeling has helped me come out with my shell a little bit because I used to be very shy, but I think Tyler, well, he was neither a server nor a model. Um, <laughs> and, he, and he has that shy side to him. I was just a computer nerd. Um, yeah, he, he was just in front of But um, So that's another like, thing that we find working together helps with a lot, mm-hmm. um, is that being able to... Yeah, if one person's not really feeling it or knowing what yeah, to say next, that's... The other can and talk to people in different ways, you know, like the yeah. way that I relate to women and the way that he relates to men, or the opposite sometimes may be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating because my, um, you know, I, I often work with assistants, and uh, you know, I have a couple of different people that I've kind of always had around mm-hmm. um, since I've been doing those jobs that required assistance, and uh, they're always female, you know, because I feel like it um, it just works better. Mm-hmm. to have that as a team like if it's yeah. two, if it's two guys like if you're yeah. it gets weird you know and if, i think sure. i think the same thing would be if well, it was two girls so like it just yeah. you know and there's definitely also just sometimes you need to ask somebody to do something that isn't weird but it's a lot less weird if a, yeah. the person certain sex asks it or whatever yeah yep. plus the fact that i have a man to haul all the funeral <laughs> <laughs> yeah. true <laughs> but you know like if you if the hair is out of place or something like that you know like i can be like hey you know Lindsay or whatever and can you fix the hair where it's like you know the last thing in the world i want to do is is touch my client's face right yeah <laughs> that to me just feels like it's just going in the wrong direction no matter what right yeah but my assistant that's completely different yeah so and the way that the client also perceives it too yes and I think this is a really important thing that, that maybe a lot of artists don't really realize if they're doing service art, you know, like taking portraits for business, is that, um, you know, how you conduct yourself as a professional is, is a huge, huge part of whether or not you're going to be successful. Because, you know, you just said something on and make a post-it note of is like art as a service. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people doing it don't think of it as a service industry thing. Yeah, but it is. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, like I would say that like the majority of the work that I do for, you know, love or not is service. I'm pre- and to be honest, what the client's impression is going to be is strong, is more based on how your interaction with them than the product. Really, <laughs> Did you deliver on time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you friendly? Did you respond to emails quickly? Yeah. Like I think that's that all has, they really care about. Yeah. Email response is such a big thing. Yeah. And that it turns out, well, and that the image turns out, yeah. right? It has to be good enough, but plenty of people can take good enough photos. To, to be able to be a jerk photographer, you need to be really exceptional. Yeah, like yes. really in demand. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, it'd be very challenging to be. Yeah, yeah. A, a, and a lot of things too, and I think for, for any industry is that people have to be getting into things not to get famous. But yeah. because they love doing it mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. passion yeah it is it is passion like yeah i don't think that, that i could really do a lot of what i do to make money if i didn't really love what i'm doing mm-hmm. you know because like the the doing it is not a problem for me at all you know for me it's it's more of just like the uh all the other stuff that needs to get done in order to continue doing it <laughs> yeah. yeah well and that's the the things that honey are good at and I have a hard time. <laughs> yeah. I like making, making the thing, but everything around planning it and yeah. that I find all that stuff very yeah. I don't know, stressful. I don't know if that's a, 
a photographer thing or a male thing? <laughs> I think yeah. you're onto something. I, I have two weaknesses as a male photographer. You are flawed. Yeah. So anyways. No, but there, I actually, there's, there's a little, you know, disclosure that I think that I probably need to make. And that's that um, my business, which is Cameron Whitman Photography, LLC, is 50% my wife, Daniela Spasti. And so um, occasionally she she shoots, but she is more of she plays a lot of the same roles that Anya does. She runs the business and she uh, she does the books. And, you know, the, the most important thing that she that she does in terms of creating work is that um, she does all of our food styling. So um, every you shoot quite a lot of food. So that- yeah, she should be sitting there with you right now. Yeah, she really, really doesn't want to do that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she is about as interested in that as yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I mean that's uh, you know outside of just doing stock, you know that's been one of our largest client successes is, is shooting food, and that stemmed from shooting drinks, and all of this kind of ties into how our relationship began. And, you know, I honestly, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. And so she needs to be mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she is absolutely. Good, good catch. Uh, yeah. No, she's, she's critical. Because when she listens to this. Yeah. She won't. She certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't care what I say. <laughs> she just cares, like, whether or not I'm getting work. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's nice to hear. Mm-hmm. We'll just, yeah. we'll make an excerpt for yeah. her and uh, send an email. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she'll appreciate it. <laughs> Well, for myself, the way that I was getting into a lot of the things that make me interested in making photos is actually just the process of making it. Like I was saying that I enjoy doing the thing. I feel like that about all of the different hobbies that I have that like I like we're doing a podcast or whatever we're doing right now. We're recording a thing mostly because I think microphones are cool and I really like audio equipment and I like working with that software. Yeah, (laughs) that is honestly quite true. And it's also how I got interested in photography. I picked up a camera and I'm like, this object is really neat. Mm -hmm. How do I make it do something? And that's a lot of motivation for me is that I find the, the technology or the techniques or the methods or the everything around it to be, compelling enough that I want to learn to use it. I mean, I think I probably tried to learn to play guitar just so I could use recording equipment. <laughs> and that never really, pan- the guitar playing never really panned out, but the, the it, it did teach me a little bit about um, how audio works. Yeah. And then. And now we can make this podcast. Yeah. Now <laughs> we can something. Although well, we're stretching the mics a little far. I'm on a, I think I got this microphone as a free gift with a mic stand or something. So this <laughs> may not be the highest quality thing we do, but. Yeah, this one was a gift as well, so don't feel bad. We're in the same boat so far. That looks a lot smaller than it does when you actually pick it up in the store. That's the one that we saw, right? Yeah, that was the big one. We went shopping for a mic, and I looked at that thing, and I'm like, I don't know if I want this on our desk. I'm I'm really glad in retrospect that we didn't. I mean, Anya is actually on the best mic right now, which is like a a Sennheiser Lav mic, but maybe not best for this situation. Which we use for video. Yeah, which is for video production. And then, which is something else that we do. Yeah. See, this is, this, is, make videos. this is just a damn shame because I actually do have a reasonably good mic. Yeah, I know. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's a nice mic. Yeah, this is a good. Is that the N1A? No. It's the NT1A. It's the Rode NT1A, which is, you know, I mean, even for this, it's just, it's a perfect solution. But? 
but I, I, I just kind of haven't figured out how to, to get <laughs> sure. it. How to, how, you know, it's just me being lazy, you know, mm. like we'll get around to it. This was easy. It's just plug and play, you know, like it's, it's a USB, <laughs> you know, it's just a lot easier than, than doing an XLR into it. But well, that's how I ended up on the, this is the only other XLR mic I had. That was the problem. So the usual mic I have is USB, but you can't mix Wait, is this an audio show or is this, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, if, if you being lazy results in the great things that you do now, hopefully there are great things coming for this yeah. project. Yeah. That's usually how it works. Yeah. Like, I didn't intend to be a touring musician. Well, I guess I, <laughs> but I was so lazy. That's where you went wrong. Yeah. I just didn't think you, that it would actually intended. happen. <laughs> it just did because I, I don't know. I think it's it's it goes back to what you were just saying, Tyler. It's just like I'm a boy with toys, and I like to play with them, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes it's not about not to, to be cheesy, but it's not really about the destination as much as it is the journey. Yeah, right? and I think well, I think a lot of people have a really different process of thinking about photography than I do. Like I am not terribly interested in talking about the creative process and how to feel inspired. Because that's not what leads me to take a photo in the end. To me, it's that, I don't know, something interesting comes up. It's not that I feel like this insatiable urge to just create a vision that I already have, which I think some some people have. So they need inspiration before they go do it. It's much more practical for me. It's like, I want to hear the camera click. And then I want (laughs) to see it on a screen. I want to see it after. And like, I'm excited to to know what these settings did and what this light did. And well, and I, I also think though that the inspiration thing comes from like people that want and need to be inspired to create things too, might have a little more or a little too much time on their hands. Like we just <laughs> right. don't have time to, yeah. to, to do that. You know, we have to be inspired. We're and, too busy and, shooting to be inspired. Yeah. Like we just have to think on the spot, you know? Yeah. And I know a lot of people look at it really differently. We'll, we're probably, I think we're in the minority, so yeah. maybe everybody's know, shouting at their We know a lot of people but, that have amazing ideas, mm-hmm. but they never re- really lead to anywhere. Because yeah. What I've seen other people get stuck on is that they have a really brilliant idea that mm-hmm. would be beautiful, but they're so concerned about nailing it and uh, expressing exactly what they had imagined that the final product ends up suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you're just going to do it, Yeah. and then things work themselves out. Yeah. It just makes the thing... Worry about it after. <laughs> well, and I think that something that comes with experience is, is realizing that in a lot of cases with photography, the easiest path is usually the best. Right. Well, um, and that's, a, that's even how this show ended up getting recorded was I was finally like, you know what? Hangouts is really easy. We can just do this as a live to air thing. And then, hey, it's there. And I don't need to worry about having the exact right audio set up before. Like we can just, we can just make a thing and mm-hmm. worry about some details later and improve later and do better next time and take notes about what well, you wish you'd done. I'm glad that this happened because you were for a long time <laughs> sort of uh, wanting to go back to the things that you were doing prior to this, mm-hmm. your YouTube Well, and the, maybe I'll start explaining myself a bit now. What Anybody <laughs> listening to this, I had had a podcast at one point called Stallman Talks Photography that, I don't know, people listened to a bit and it was, but it was just me talking and it started feeling boring. I don't know. I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I really enjoy the dialogue. It kind of can be this feeling of that you're hanging out with people with a similar interest Mm -hmm. when there's this back and forth and you know, you're hoping that one of them will express the thing that's on your mind about it and blah, blah. So I listened to a ton of podcasts and felt like there, there isn't really a photography podcast out there for me right now. 
that is, like I said, talking from a professional level. And I don't mean professional in like, I don't mean to be fancy or to be like, it's not, right. it's not making, snobby is what yeah, it it's just, it just means that it's snobby your work, snobby. right? It's what yeah. you, it's what you do as a job. And yeah. you think about it in a practical way and like getting things done. Yeah. It's my profession. This is what I do. Yeah. And there's, there's many more hobbyists out there. And I know that there are people speaking to that audience. So, well, and, I, I, and, and to further your, your, the effect of the comment that you're making, there's, there's many hobbyists that, that blow away anything that I'm capable of doing as a professional. Oh, yeah. So that's not, yeah, we, we talk about this all the time, especially Instagram right now. Yeah. Anya, Anya's acquired quite the following on Instagram and it's become kind of a, it's part of our business now. Mm-hmm. So the, which follow her, if you're not already um, at Anya B. Of course I am. <laughs> And, um, oh, right. So we're hanging out with more Instagrammers lately that yeah. are so good. They're so freaking good. And they're well, just they're shooting just with their iPhones. Yep. They never, they don't even own an SLR and they don't care. Well, most of them do, but they don't care about yeah. the technical stuff of taking a photo. They just know what looks good and yeah. they go out and make it happen every day. And it's so great. Yeah. yeah. And makes well, me feel fact, rotten sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people are just in the right place at the right time. Some people just know the right people. Right, yeah, or people that are in certain circles. Yeah, everybody's circumstances are so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes you just feel like, how stupid am I to have $3,000 cameras, multiple $3,000 cameras, <laughs> and like thousands of dollars worth of lenses. And, you know, I can't... do what they're doing. Yeah, like shooting like... <laughs> Way better stuff than I am. On Imagine what they do with a three thousand dollar camera. Yeah, but maybe not. Maybe maybe that's not. What, yeah, I maybe mean that's, that's what their uh, fear is. Or yeah, I think it's you know it's it's their it's you know it's their vehicle to to mm-hmm. to get to that place. You know, mm-hmm. um, I had this conversation with uh, Stocksy member Greg Schmiegel recently, and I just you know I just out of nowhere I, I just texted him and said, "Hey man, like have you ever thought about shooting with anything outside of your your iPhone?" And he's like. I mean, I, I have some old film cameras and stuff. He's like, but I can't really be bothered, you know? And I, I was, yeah. I was just kind of like, wow, you know? And he's like, why? And I was like, I was just thinking like, I would love to see like what would happen if you had like a Fuji X 100, you know, mm-hmm. like, what would you do with it? Cause I mean, in my opinion, this guy with his iPhone is the best street ph- photographer since uh, Gary Winogrand. And I think we can all agree that the quality is great on these things. Like mm-hmm. new, new phones look amazing, but not at a hundred percent, not blown up, yeah. not in large prints. Yeah. You can and only the brand new ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We feel like there's this aging out process of iPhones. Deteriorating. Yeah. Mine, mine, I switched to an iPhone six lately. And by the end of my iPhone five's life, it was just bad. It was blurry and there's spots all over it. And now Anya's got the five S and it's, Seems to be going through the same process. Yeah. Well, think about holding out. Think about it like this, though. Like, if you were if you were taking your your best portrait lens and you were shoving it into your pocket like a hundred times a day, how do you think your lens would fare with no lens cap? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what it it is. That's my assumption. Is it dust is sneaking in through the cracks? And there was some. I think I saw one on yours too. The black spots that I had. That. And I had the camera, the guys at the, um, like a, just a phone repair booth, try to tear it apart and clean it out. But it wasn't 
on the lens, which is where I could actually see dust, it was probably right on the sensor. And sometimes I'd see it move to drift to like a different part of the frame. So there's obviously physical objects that are Shutter. moving around. It's awful. Yeah. yeah, I've seen some weird stuff on on different people's iPhone sensors. You know, so it's like that's the thing too. It's just like I, I guess that's the same thing with lenses that you buy like for thousands of dollars. Like the copy you get might not be great. You know. Yeah, there's a great article about that from LensRentals.com. That's like it, it's called like the myth of the good lens, or is there such thing as a good lens? I don't remember, but it's worth reading. Hmm. Um, anyway, not when it's a fifty. Uh, <laughs> we've had this struggle with fifties. We can talk a lot, about but we've it. solved this struggle. Uh, well, ish, ish yeah, mostly. <laughs> Don't tell me that. I just got mine. <laughs> oh, how, how how is it so far? Is it sharp enough? Yeah, so far it looks great. But I mean, I haven't I haven't got to do some of the things that like I really want to do with the lens. So uh, it through its paces yet? No, not at all. Not even close. Yeah, you take you take a photo and it's sharp, and you're like, yeah, this works. And then you take it out to an event or something. Yeah, you just never know until you really put it through the paces, you know. Yeah, um, testing in your bedroom can end up being really different. Yeah, you know, I hate that. Like, and it's it's really it's it's what happens to me every time I buy something new is that like I look at it and go like I, I you know like I'm checking the tracking on it like. It's 18 times a day. Like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then it shows up and I'm like getting it out of the box and I'm like you know, holding it and I'm like, oh. and then like, you know, I put it on the camera and then I like take a couple pictures of like whatever's on my desk or like the, <laughs> yeah. the lens cap pictures. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, I know those. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, like then immediately after that, I take it off the camera, I put it back in its pouch and I set it in my, in, a, in you know, the shelf and I just, contemplate not using it for a month you know because <laughs> i'm like i can't really do anything with that it's weird it's like this complex i've had it every single time that i've had to spend any reasonable amount of money on a lens and then conversely i i got this uh this 85 millimeter 1.8 nikon lens that was it came out of a trade and the guy just didn't have enough money that's what it came down to and he's just like well what if i throw in this and i was just like I was like, ah, God damn it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was just like, well, it's almost enough money. I'll take the lens and see what happens, you know. But I'm thinking, like, this lens is going to suck, you know. Put it on my camera, and I just immediately took it out and took it to a shoot. And uh, I was blown away how awesome this lens was. <laughs> it was so good. And, I, and, you know, it was, you know, the value that in the, of the trade was 200 bucks. Right. And, you know, I think that you could probably buy th- the, this particular lens on Craigslist or something for about that. But, man, you just don't know. Like, that lens is every single time at 1.8. It's just sharp. You know, there's never wow. any chromatic aberrations or any of that. It's just always great. Yeah. Lucky. I think that I said this. I've said this on later episodes. But that the 70 to 200 is the one that feels like that for us most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's rare that it's ever like, what's going on here? Most of the time that's the yeah. sharpest lens in our box. God, because that's, that's what you yeah. The 85 is also pretty consistent, yeah. which is the 1.8, the 85 millimeter or one eight is the cheaper Canon one. And mm-hmm. It's been reliable. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of cases, those ones are the ones I end up liking the most, which seems really kind of backwards. You know, you expect that the, you know, that the faster one and the more expensive one is going to be the better one. But, you know, like, for instance, I have a 105 portrait lens, Nikon, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, wide open. If there's any backlight at all, then you get these this lateral fringing. It's like green and pink, and it's uh, if it's wide open. I mean, there's a lot of photos that it just destroys that photo. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it looks so bad. The, the only option I have is to convert to black and white because it's just so bad that I can't use it. And this is like, do you still use this lens then? Do you take it out when you know that it can turn out that way? No, I know when to use it now because I've had it for six years, but like there's so many occasions where I know I'm not going to pull it out because it's got those, those issues. And you know, it's, it's, you know, supposedly it's one of the best lenses they've ever made. Yeah. (laughs) There can definitely be a inconsistencies between everything you've read online and your experience with something, but yeah. Yeah. um, People are writing these reviews way too fast. (laughs) Totally. And they're not testing every condition. Yeah. Or people have different concerns than you or mm-hmm. different standards or. Yeah. Standards. That's that. That was our story with the 50. I don't know if you guys already talked about that. No, not really. But the 50. Would, we went through all the fifties. Oh, all the yeah, Canon fifties. Well, the best 50 to me is the, the cheapest one. <laughs> because you have yeah. lower expectations. Well, yeah, because you're not paying a lot of money for it. Yeah. Uh, so it's true. The more you can, pay, the more disappointed you yeah, can be. Yes, so it can perform. Well, it's, less, it's also but, smaller and lighter, right? Yeah, and you don't hate it as much yeah. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just it's the pro lens was the worst thing ever, and I was just so furious with it. Well, so yeah, the fifty-one point two, we basically had a lot of. Mm-hmm. It's just not sharp. I hate that lens. No, you know, I. It, so many people are crazy, but like I, I don't know. I liked it too for a while liked it. because I was the one that but made this, you yeah hate it. <laughs> well, I it was just like less than fifty percent. It, the yeah. thing is, yeah, it's part of it's how you look at it because looking at Kevin Russ's photos, now Kevin Russ was shooting at one point two a lot of the time with it, and I was looking at his photos on my stock photo at their comp size, which is pretty small, and they look so nice. It looks beautiful when you've got that fall off, and it doesn't really matter if it's sharp because you can't tell. Mm-hmm. But it's just not good any bigger than that well, once you get to well, like a, exactly even a large right. blog post. I can it, I can put an, a photo on Instagram that's blurry, you know, like crazy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter so much because it's on Instagram. It's pretty small, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it, also to that, and he was probably shooting it on like a 5D, the original 5D, so it's probably 12 megapixels or something, which yeah, is also getting... Worse and worse as things yeah. scale up. So, like, as as a as a photo editor, you know, like I'm privy to a lot of, you know, like I get to see the 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 you know the metadata. So, like, I I know what people are shooting with, and so you know, like I get to kind of have my own evaluation of a lot of gear, you know, through that mechanism. And so, like, the, the Canon. 50 millimeter 1.2 is one of the most disappointing lenses that I can. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what I'll say actually is as bad as well as the the 35 millimeter 1.4. Really? I'm just not happy with it anymore. Yeah. I feel kind of the same way after a while. I think it's after switching to the Sigma and using the 70 to 200 so much, my standards have just shifted there. It's gotta be sharper. Yeah. Well, and standards well, with everything. I mean like stuff that goes up on my blog, it has to be like print quality. Yeah. And I'm I'm a perfectionist, and I like things to be a certain way, and so I look at it, and I uh, yeah, it's just I'm so anal about things; it just has to be perfect. Well, and now with these Retina displays, oh my god, it's like another huge <laughs> problem. I can't, well, I don't know how we're gonna. Do you stop have anything that that's Retina yet? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, we just got a, a laptop that is now all of a oh sudden looking. Now at we're redoing really the whole different. site. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm really hoping that my uh, that, that my 27 inch iMac doesn't die anytime soon because I'm afraid of getting the ret- what the, 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 the retina, retina iMac would ruin you. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I I don't know how it would change everything that I do. Right from my my day job to everything else, I, to, I I feel like I'm kind of blind to the retina compared to other people. Like I have pretty poor vision, to be honest. But I think most people I hear talk about retina, it it changes their life and everything. Like they can never go back. <laughs> and, and then everyone talks to me about HD. Right, yeah, but uh, well, I think I see it with <laughs> but, HD though. Yeah, HD really- is like yeah. In video, I care a lot. Yeah, but in computer displays, for some reason, I'm just not really yeah. sensitive to it. On the laptop, yeah. I'm just like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, and I don't really see it. <laughs> How many pixels do we need? <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least six. <laughs> that's um, right. that's gonna ruin it for everybody because now all of a sudden we're gonna have to start buying new cameras and changing our equipment. Yeah, yeah well, it's already like that for video. I mean, it's so expensive. The, the HD stuff. We, we are moving into 4K yeah. now. Yeah. And that's gonna. That's what my mom always used to say when when I told her. That you have to shoot to, 4K. No, announced to her that I'm uh, gonna move into photography, and that's what we're gonna be doing full time. And she's like, I used to because my family is, is all accountants, and she says I used to do books for for a photographer. All of your money is just gonna be drowned in equipment. Yep. But but it's sort of true. I mean, <laughs> have you heard oh of gas? God. Either of you? Gas? Yeah, it's like an internet. Forums term? Uh, no, it's gear, kind of, uh, gear acquisition syndrome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. The amount of money that 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 we spend on gear, like my wife is, she's so she's so forgiving. I have to say that, like, you know, I'm like, uh, honey. She's like, oh Christ, what do you need now? <laughs> <laughs> Still have those conversations too. Yeah. Well, it's um, funny because I'm usually like, well, I don't need it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You usually don't. I mean, like, if you if you really needed to do something, you would, you know, find a way. Yeah. The money is sitting in your bank account and it's burning a hole in your pocket. Mm-hmm. But, um, Hopefully. but yeah, we have those conversations. We're um we're starting to get to like a long recording time, but I still didn't actually do my bio. You better so get to I'll, it because it's gonna I'm be. Just gonna, I'm gonna say. It. Well, I wanted this to let this just let this be the longest episode ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to yeah, break we'll, a world record. Yeah, exactly. We'll do it all now. And then forever after, we can just tell people, go back and listen to the first one. It'll, just it'll just listen this. listen to us mumble while you're editing your photos. It'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll put you to sleep while you're working. <laughs> I, um, I, what did I do? I started taking photos on film cameras a long time ago. You worked at Photolab? Yeah. And so then I got a job at a Photolab basically to, to sort of, pay for it. I also have to get a little bit of credit here to a friend, Dave Politi, who is out there on the internet that I, we were in college together and started sh- working together on projects. I was more into design and he was more into uh, photo and video production. And we started just doing things like really together for a while. Like we were, sh- we would just shoot as a, as a team a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. he, um, yeah, I don't know, got me excited about it. So I would take out the point and shoot G1 camera. Well, at the time, it was a very fancy digital camera from the, the gear lab at school. And we would just take photos basically for our assignments. And then as I started taking more and more, I wanted to print them and get cheap film. So I got a job at the Walmart Photo Lab. <laughs> not great. The fanciest photo yeah. lab around. But <laughs> and then I worked at Black's Photo Lab, which is a Canadian company. But 
they they were much better. They gave me the real training about how to process photography. And honestly, if everybody could work at a photo lab first, I feel like that so much of the way I think about color now, especially goes back to that because when you're working with it, you basically have six keys that are up and down for uh, magenta, cyan, and the other color. <laughs> and, and then also density. How much? Yeah, how much? Really? <laughs> and that's how you process the colors for everything is that you quickly just go up and down in these uh, six variables and just um, really quickly are processing hundreds of images. And it started really giving me an appreciation for what color meant and the role that it played in, in photos. And so I just started buying as much of the cheap expired film as I could and shooting it more and more. And then right out, soon after I graduated, I got hired at iStock Photo as a designer. So I was doing website design, UI design, and still shooting just casually. But as I started shooting more for the site, I started caring about it more and thinking about it more like really at a technical level and at a, I don't know, the, the shooting people revelation that we talked about was a big step. All of a sudden it's like, Oh, that's how you make a photo. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Taking a picture of a person. So I started selling more stuff through the site and eventually decided that was a bit more of the career that I wanted. So then what happened? <laughs> then an iStock photo sold to Getty and it started Evil. becoming yeah. <laughs> it started becoming a different work environment, a little more corporate, going from in independent, really successful um stock photo company to a just major really big in like the, factory. Yeah. A, a global factory of photo production. Kind of put a drain on the environment socially <laughs> so there. <to> speak. <laughs> yeah. And things got more stressful and less fun, but shooting was still good for quite a while. Eventually they started putting the the screws to the earnings the photographers made as well. So it made it, I don't know, more and more frustrating, especially as an exclusive <laughs> photographer there. Oh, and yeah. for a while though, Getty was doing a joint venture with Life Magazine. Uh, well, with Time Inc., I should say, to revitalize the Life Magazine brand. It, has, it was basically dormant for quite a number of years, uh, just putting up photo books, and they wanted to put out a website that had the entire Life archive being scanned, as well as all of the new photos coming in from Getty. So I was the designer on Getty's side of that joint venture, which meant, which was amazing. I was getting to work with world-class photo editors and yeah, just dig through archives of the best stuff that was ever created. Yeah, and cool. yeah, it was really, it was crazy seeing that stuff come through. And then actually it was fun seeing the, the life of Walter Mitty is basically about that. Well, no, I didn't see the movie yet. I imagined that he was. Yeah, it was exactly. No. <laughs> it was a movie about him. Yeah. Like, wow, so that made a movie taking about place of life. Yeah. <laughs> they remembered. Yeah. And then this whole time I was shooting a bunch of stock and stock was doing pretty well. That was kind of what was the main income earner. Mm-hmm. And I left the life thing as well. And then eventually once Ani and I started working together, it started shifting a bit. We built up, we, we had left iStock just as we were founding Stocksy. So the origin story for Stocksy is well, that... I never got to be around for iStock. Yeah, so weren't you, you... You missed out on the yeah. fun. The glory. <laughs> yeah. But that was in Calgary as but well. That was so. the reason why I, um, 
I, I had all these, before me, Tyler and I even really knew each other, I was hearing from all my photographer friends about Tyler and how he was making a living doing stock photo. And I was just sort of looking around and like, why are you guys not doing this? Yeah. Like, I wasn't it, taking the most beautiful photos, but like I was, well, yeah, I was turning it into a career, too. which was um, nice. And you know, and, and these guys can do amazing things and, and they're not putting themselves out there that way because everybody has this misconception of it. Shout out to all the Calgary photographers right now. Yeah. You guys are great. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's a real stigma that surrounds shooting stock. Yeah, well, so. I talked about all these, yeah. like there's so many people that were like, tell me more about stock. Like I'd really love to get involved in iStock. Yeah. And I tell them everything I know. And six months later, they still have one photo yeah. on. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if, again, if you treat it like a business, then of course you're going to have to have the initial investment of time and, um, and well, effort. I mean, like God. And a lot of the people that we've seen be the most successful, some of the iStock legends like uh, Sean Locke, mm-hmm. And Lise Gagne, they approach it. It's a business first, really. Yeah. Like they wake up at seven or eight every day and they are shooting and uploading. And it's, you know, making art is a nice thing. It gives you time for it, affords you, um, the, you know, the ability to set your own schedule and shoot photos all day. But, you know, if you treat it like a business first, you can end up with having that time. I feel like I'm circling back. To no, exactly but yeah. What so about. I, anyways, this is why I thought it was such an amazing opportunity. Hmm. I, yeah. I guess not being jaded in other ways. Yeah. And actually, iStock kind of, well, they were frustrated with us starting Stocksy, so there wasn't much of an option. I basically had to close down that account, so it gave us a completely fresh start mm-hmm. um, yeah, to, to start a joint start, account. Yeah. And the origins of, of Stocksy were that uh, basically I was hanging out with uh, Bruce and Brianna in L.A. Well... Um, I think Bruce founded iStock. Brianna worked there early on. And then we also all worked in LA on uh, Saatchi Online, which is for the Saatchi Art Gallery. Mm-hmm. And all this was happening where I would just constantly be complaining about iStock. <laughs> um, even well, you know, they're still writing me checks, but it was just getting very hard to be there. It was, it, it, it was a, kind of a hostile environment and it didn't have the same camaraderie that it used to have. And it was... I, I could see why it was difficult for all the staff there. I was still friends with all these people that are on the inside and they're just being squeezed very hard from an enormous uh, investment firm that had bought Getty and yep. needed to see a certain amount of return at any cost. This, they have to make a certain amount of money. Yeah. So I would complain to Bruce about this all the time. And at some point there was, he was like, you know what? We, I need to do something about this. And did because you did. There was other people. Yeah, as well. no, he was aware of these problems. This was yeah. news to him. This was my. You know, this is this is my conversations with him. Right. So then, yeah, like months later, he was like, "You know what? Surprise! This is actually happening." Um, he had come up with the name and bought the domain, and like this was there was a few other friends that had also been at at iStock that uh, we were all kind of involved early on, and then. Um, yeah, Stocksy happened, and we knew that there was no way to make it a success being iStock 2.0. Right. Actually, I don't know if at first we knew. At first, I think we thought we're like we're just going to need a lot of photos. Like we'll we'll just try to beat everybody at their own game. And we realized pretty quickly that there was just no that wasn't possible. <laughs> People are already doing what they do very efficiently, and the hole was that there was relatively little great stock photography that. Um, people could also afford. There's amazing stuff on on Getty and Corbis mm-hmm. at higher price ranges, but 
not really at the royalty free level. Right. So, um, yeah, but that's then Stocksy happened and it's been great. It's still relatively small. There's, I don't know, our staff is not huge. How many people? I think it's, I think it's eight at HQ and yeah. maybe like 15 total, something like that. Yeah, and, and a few hundred photographers compared mm-hmm. to 100,000, which we mentioned at iStock. So it's intentionally more compact and, and very different. And I like it that way. Yeah. We're a co op. So it means that there isn't that same ability to, you know, to just get sold to a huge company and screw up the culture. You know, hopefully that's the idea is that we'll, we'll always be a little more tight knit. Uh, that there's sort of an economic incentive for us to all be more friendly. Yeah, for sure. Well, and also we really should tip our hat to, you know, our fearless leader, the CEO, Rihanna Wetlaufer, who without her vision, you know, I I really don't think that we would be where we are now, you know, because she's the one that really pushed, forced us to not let in crap. Yeah. (laughs) To like, to, to, that we had to stick with this quality first. Well, and it's, it goes beyond that because, I mean, like, how do you define quality? Um, because, I mean, in terms of, like, actual image quality, there's there's a lot of stuff on Stocksy that never would have been accepted to, to iStock or Shutterstock or any of these other places, yeah, you know, and which is completely ridiculous because in the, the cases that I'm talking about are, like, expletive awesome photos, Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, she's the one that brought that, that perspective of like, you know, why would you let this amazing photo photo fall through the cracks? Yeah. It's ridiculous because like, you know, a couple stray pixels, give me a break. Um, you know, and, and it's really, it's really her that it's stuck to her guns in terms of like a unified vision and aesthetic. And that has really been the, the driving force of what has appealed to, mm-hmm. to our buying to our buyers, which is expanding rapidly. That's what we hear all the time is that mm-hmm. it's, it's so different doing a search on Stocksy than other places. You're not, you're not going to spend half your time scrolling past things that are not very nice. Yeah. And you're looking at beautiful <laughs> photos. Yeah. It all has a certain fit and it's, it's not, it's not what you need all the time. I know designer friends of mine have definitely said they can't, they just can't find what they need on Stocksy. So they're going to go buy their isolated Apple on iStock, yeah. but that's okay because we have an amazing experience that, that you can't find anywhere else right now. And mm-hmm. that's why people have been excited every time they, they come to us. Yeah, that's right. And you know, the thing about it, I think is that going forward, there's so many holes to fill. And I think that there's a lot of, um, opportunities that that we've even yet to realize in terms of like how to to present these needs to our clients and the the unique thing about the way the stocks is i you know i wasn't in the inside of iStock, so i'm not really exactly sure how iStock getty blend any of these people really work because i haven't never been in the inside like i am in mm-hmm. stocksy but when i listen to the the way that our clients actually give us feedback it's really eye-opening because like we are taking the time to really listen to what it is they need and we're creating them. We're, we're spending a lot of time making personalized briefs for them and even creating custom photography for them in some cases. And that's half of where creative direction is coming from is literally is directly from our buyers and our buyers are coming to us because of the aesthetic. So they're combining what they need with our aesthetic. So really what's happening is, we're creating this whole new genre of photography that has nothing to do with isolated apples on white. Mm-hmm. 
because they've realized that like they have an opportunity to get something so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, something well, so much deeper. As a customer or shopper anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can't find a place maybe other than Walmart where you will be able to buy right. every everything that you need. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, but you know, the, and the flip side to that is that like, think about it in terms of something nice, you know, like, uh, think of you, you like to buy clothes and I like to buy cameras, right? So like, you know, if I go to Walmart, what kind of camera gear is, am I going to find? Right. Exactly. Or what yeah. kind of clothes am I going to find? What, yeah. well, what kind of shoes or, are you going to find? <laughs> or maybe, maybe even compare it to say Amazon. Mm-hmm. Cause I stock photo has some great photography in yeah. it as well. Amazon has everything you need, yeah. but the experience of shopping through it, especially safer clothes yeah. or shoes, I know they have, they have shoes, but it's so different from going into a really nice store. Yeah. Or going to a really nice website even. Yeah, because we're talking and, about aesthetic. Yeah, and you're going through, like, you, you love every single thing that you walk up to, and you're like, I want everything I see, and I'm going to mm-hmm. choose the, the, my favorite among them yeah. instead of digging through a dollar bin that's, yeah. you know, maybe has something buried in it. Or also going in and looking for something specific, mm-hmm. here it is, or going in and looking at beautiful things and being like, well, yes, I can now buy anything here. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a different experience. Oh, what does it feel like on me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. What's the smell yeah. in the store? It's Doxy, you can try it on. Yeah. <laughs> you can rub the pictures all over and see how they smell. After custom custom print delivery. <laughs> yeah. So then at this point, uh, for me, with Stocksy, I'm there in Victoria, I'm in Calgary, and I'm kind of less involved, I mean, than I was earlier. And we actually do a, a kind of internal show just to communicate with our people. And yeah, but like Cameron also, you deserve a, a bit of a nod for the quality as well. I mean, a- along with Brianna, you you two end up working together a lot of the time to really establish the aesthetic and you end up being the one to hand it out to or communicate it to the photographers directly and yeah i mean i i'm the one that has to you know basically my charge is that i have to like not only teach that aesthetic to my team of editors um but also to then pass that down to all of the contributors and it's a tricky deal because like you know what we try to do is is create like an idea of what our aesthetic is and then allow these amazing artists to come up with their own thing we're not the last thing that we want to do is become a a status quo of ourselves. You know, like we don't want to just turn our aesthetic into this, like, you know, well, we ran into a bit of that early on with, we had these amazing landscape shots from a bunch of like Kevin Russ and Mm -hmm. uh, some Instagram photographers that were creating really beautiful, uh, I don't know, hipster travel photography for lack of a better word. And it's, it was so it was great and exceptional. And everybody that was showing up was saying like, well, is this what I need to shoot? This is what you want more of. Yeah. And it was trying to fight like, well, no, that's just, we have, that's what we have great examples of currently, but we want, what are you good at? You know, bring us, bring something new to, to Stocksy and trying to keep moving forward and be exciting in new ways can be a challenge that will obviously you face. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's really interesting because I've, I've come into, you know, a comfort with my job, which, you know, I think that for quite a while, I didn't know whether or not I was cut out for it or whether I deserved it or any of that's, you know, um, the thing that I did is I, I literally just opened my, my heart and my mind to everything that these people around me were saying, you know, and I, I really went in with a completely open mind and 
especially, you know, like there's things that I, I have, I have a lot to, a lot of people to thank. And, you know, Brianna Whitlaufer, especially for her guidance in teaching me about a lot of things about what makes a, a photo, what it is, you know, cause it's like, there's a lot of ways, to, there's a lot of ways to read a photo, but ultimately when you're talking about stock, it's the end of the day. It, it's just like, well, who's going to use it? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the purpose? Yeah. You know? Seeing it from a client size instead of a photographer's eyes and a designer's. Yeah. That, that's what I meant by client. But, yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, it kind of, it kind of reaches out to all three. Um, but then also, um, in terms of, in terms of the way that, that, you know, I, I operate internally, you know, I owe a lot to Ivar Tennyson, mm-hmm. who is really, he's, he's learned to, or he has tempered me a lot in keeping me like real and keeping me on the level, you know, and it's, it's really great. Cause you know, like I, I admittedly have in the past have had a, a reflex to just kind of say whatever I fucking feel like saying. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know he's just he's he's been a very strong helping hand in, in keeping me in the right place yeah well it's such a huge again it's like um customer service mm-hmm. is almost the most important thing for you guys sometimes the communication and yeah working with people and keeping everyone happy and yeah and getting what you need in the end of the day and it's, it's very delicate because one of the largest parts of my job is is to communicate feedback to our photographers about what we're doing about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that can be really risky because, uh, you know, you're having an intimate conversation with somebody where you're telling them the truth about what the, what is they're doing and how that's a, a, either being effective or not. And, uh, getting somebody to actually be willing to hear you out. Yeah. And well, it, it, receiving negative feedback is hard for anyone all the time, but can also really push you forward. Yeah. I think getting used to being shot down can become incredibly helpful in the long run. Well, and that's, what's interesting about our approach is that when we reach out to people and say, Hey, we want to talk. I think that their initial thing is like, Oh God, they're going to tell me <laughs> some bad things. And you know, the, the, the truth is, is that everybody that's been allowed into Stocksy was accepted for a reason. There was yeah. something exceptional about what they were doing. Yeah. We have a limited number of slots as photographers and getting in the door already means it says a lot about their skill. Exactly. And so that's, that's really the focus that we try to, to bring to these, these communications is that, you know, like this is what you're really great at, you know? And so if you want to, we want to encourage people to grow beyond that, but we want to remind them where their strengths are because that this is a thing like it might be really difficult for, from an outside perspective to kind of see the trajectory of what happens to, to artists when they start shooting stock. But generally what happens is that amazing photographers get accepted. And after they upload their initial bulk of, of work that to their portfolio, then they're lost in kind of trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? And so then they tried to start shooting stock. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is like one of the most devastating things to watch. <laughs> Yeah, because when you're watching artists all of a sudden try to to shoot stock, it's it's embarrassing in a lot of cases. And some people are like naturally they just they kill it, but you know it's 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 kind of like you're completely turning the car around and going in a different direction. Yeah, it's a specific skill or challenge or whatever yeah. you want to call it. So my charge, if you will, is is to try to you know engage. Of, I have an analogy. Maybe it's like a musician that's. Um, 
comparing somebody that's a re- like an artist mm-hmm. and writes is a singer songwriter and makes all their own music and does it themselves. And then they're asked to go be like a session musician and just play back up on somebody else's music. Like playing the shooting stock photography can be a little bit of just, um, you know, f- like following a bit more of a, a, a path. Um, yeah. And it shouldn't be, you know, that's actually what makes crap stock. So right. that's really like, buying into the formula. Yeah. That's really the crux of what I'm getting at is that like, you know, what, what my intention is, is to encourage people to respect themselves and to follow what's really in their heart and, and go for that and like make it, but to, you know, give them hints about how to, to realize how it can be made useful. Cause like every little detail of life needs to be made into a stock photo, <laughs> you know, that could be a t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's the truth. And like, you know, I think that yeah, what, what, what ends up happening to a lot of people is that after they initially get accepted, then they feel like they have to kind of conform or fit in. And then they start making stuff that feels very familiar. And then, you know, things start to go into territories that, that are pretty unfortunate, you know, for, for them and for us, because then we're looking at the same thing over and over and over. And nobody wants to do that. So it's, it's really interesting because like a lot, I think that there's this perception from, from some people who shoot stock and they come over to us and they think that like, we're trying to change who they are and what they do. And there's things about their style that we may try to, you know, shift in a direction, you know, just kind of like nudge it into something that, that, that works better with our overall feeling. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like the last thing I want to do is, is go to an artist and say, like, I want you to stop being you, you know, I want you to do something completely different like that. That doesn't really serve any, any benefit to me. Well, they don't thrive. They don't perform at their best. No, they're not happy. And like, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, and it, it, I really don't think that that kind of, you know, fits into the, the, the overall, overall ethos of what Stocksy is. You know, it's, it's a, it's an artistic co-op, you know, it's meant to be, you know, a place where people can flourish. And then also, yeah, there's a desire to make it feel a bit like people are buying licensing photos from artists. Yeah. They're buying it from the person that created it instead of just from a big faceless agency. Yes. Um, that's a big part. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that something? (laughs) We're about to round off two hours now wow. <laughs> we can talk so yeah right? we, set, we set the record that we were going for and we didn't even know what we were talking about no <laughs> no topic set but um where uh, where can people find you i can be found at stocksy.com forward slash cam rocker and that is exactly how it sounds c-a-m-r-o-c-k-e-r and uh you can also find me at twitter.com cam rocker and on instagram at Cameron, which is K-A-M-M-E-R-U-N. Awesome. Is your new logo ready yet? Um, I'm looking right now at uh, about 30 additional variations, and they're all good, so I'm really in, in some pain. I thought it looked pretty great so far. It looks even better. <laughs> and what about you, Anya? Where do you want to direct everyone? Uh, well, they can find me on Instagram at Anya B, A-N-I-A-B, and Twitter 
at Ania underscore Boniecka. Yay. Uh, A-N-I-A underscore B-O-N-I-E-C-K-A. Or if they go to your blog, oh, they'll find links to all of these right. things. They can go to AnyaB.net and just get links to my Pinterest and Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And- that seems like the best idea. <laughs> yeah. And then you can follow her everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere. I don't know where to find me. Follow me on Twitter, maybe, at Stallman. And we're a podcast now. It's official. This we're a podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> we're on, we're on Apple. We must be important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>